Gentlemen, I think the stat of the year, uh, you don't have to get really deep into analytics to figure out what this Twins team is. I believe as of the time of this show, which is uh, Friday afternoon, I believe they are 35 and 11 when they score four runs or more. That's the whole picture. The pitching is more than good enough when they get just enough run support. Uh, and it's their job to give them just enough run support. Let's talk about that and more here on Chin Music. This is our Twins and Baseball show at TalkNorth.com. The lineup, Roy Smalley, former Twins, all-star, current Twins broadcaster, Lavelle Emil III, Star Tribune columnist. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is the producer. The website, the network, is TalkNorth.com. If you like the show, subscribe at your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Or if you like Check out more of our shows. Go to talknorth.com. We have the full lineup, outdoor sports variety, and also the archives of all of our shows. Thanks to our sponsors, Grain Belt, which is uh, sponsoring a series of live shows downtown Minneapolis for this show, uh, Aquarius Home Services, All Energy Solar, and we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Our next live show is scheduled for O'Donovan's right by the ballpark, 5.30, July 25th. We'll do an hour. And uh, come by, we will give away a bobblehead, some grain belt uh, merchandise. We'll take live questions. It was a great show last time we did it at O'Donovan's. Perfect setting for it right out there in the patio. Come by and say hello. We appreciate it. All right. Do you believe this team is starting to turn the corner offensively, Roy? I do for um, a couple of reasons. Uh, one, the uh, obvious and most important reason, the at-bats are an awful lot better. Just all of a sudden, you know, up and down the lineup, and especially from the guys that they really need to uh, produce, the the at bats just look better. Pitches aren't getting missed. Um, really, really off the plate pitches aren't getting swung and swung at as much. So, I mean, the, the at bats look a lot better, <clears throat> which leads into the next, uh, the other point, which is, I I, I still believe that it, it was a matter of time, just a matter of time before it happened because guys are going to hit what they're going to hit within a range. And I, I just don't believe that. I never believe that Carlos Correa was not going to by September 30th have had a pretty decent Carlos Correa year. And I feel the same way about uh, Buxton and um, you know, that way about Kirilov uh, to a, you know, to a degree. So um yeah, Kepler. It looks like his his approach at the plate has been a lot better. So everybody, you know, has a you know has a better chance. It looks like now of not having this. Every single one of them have career off years. I, I think there's still time for a whole lot of damage to be done and get everybody back to, you know, kind of what is expected uh, it, it, given. You know, past career, past uh, past performances. What do you think, Lamont? I'm sorry, about, Roy. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I just I just want to just add. <clears throat> I never would have dreamed that the uh, Twins would pitch like this, and then and, and the team not be up by eight or ten games. Yep. Because I thought they would hit more, but I also thought that Polanco would be healthy, and I thought Buck was going to have a big year, and I thought. You know, Correa would do Correa things, and and Miranda was you know was going to be, you know, the same or a little bit better. And I mean, it just looked like a lineup that would be able to score four runs a <laughs> game. Yeah. And um, so if you know, they, I think they will. I think they will get back to that at some point in time. 
I just thought that, you know, uh, Correa and Buxton as a pair, pair uh, they can't have any less luck than they've had to, to, at the, this point, and they couldn't continue to hit the way they've been hitting. Uh, I think Correa's uh, batting average on balls and plays like 269, which means, you know, it's got to balance out on the other end eventually. Uh, Bucks batting average on balls and play is 252, and that's coming off the year, which it was 244, which means, uh, you know, he's got better days ahead of him. Um, and Bucks like walk rates like up to a career high. So I just thought that the offense wasn't going to get going to like their two best players started hitting a little bit. And Correa, he's still taking his shots early in the count. But when he gets to two strikes, you know, he's just looking to put the ball in play and he's hitting some line tries to the opposite field. Oh, hit some hit some balls through the uh, through the infield. So there's an adjustment there. That's a good thing. Kepler's making more solid contact, uh, which, you know, has has been an issue with him. It looks like he uh, I don't know if someone's talked to him or not. But it looks like he's playing with a little more fire. Uh, there was a game where he got caught out in a borderline pitch for strike three to end the inning and leave runners on base. And I saw him mouth the F word. Uh, it's the most emotion I've seen out of him all season. And his next bat, he had cranked a home run. So uh, there's some there's some glimpses here that the offense is starting to kind of play back to the norm. But I will say this. I still find it somewhat hilarious, although I, I, I think, something meaningful came out of it. Um, they had a team meeting after getting swept in Atlanta. Uh, the hitters started taking over the, the hitting meet, the pregame hitting meetings more, I guess, you know, Popkins and the other coaches come in and say what they have to say. And then they leave the room to the players and the players start, you know, going over their own personal game plans with each other. And maybe that's helped. But ever since they had the hitters meeting, the pitcher staff has a 1.3 ERA yep. <laughs> and, 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 and look at the success. So, uh, if we had this pitcher staff paired up with the Bomber Squad, oh man, this team would have made a run. <laughs> well, yeah, that wouldn't be fair. It just wouldn't. You be know, the bill you bring up, uh, I mentioned Kepler, and and you know, you you brought him up as well. I just want to, I want to throw something out there. Uh, when I get back to the ballpark, I I want to talk with, you know, with Popkins or or Rudy um, Hernandez or <clears throat> one of the coaches. I have always thought uh, that. Kepler's approach, where he he starts in the box, drastically open stance, and then strides. When he when he you, you can't just keep striding in the same direction your foot's pointing when you have an open stance. You have to square up a little bit. But he goes past parallel and squaring up. In other words, his his front side gets close. You know, goes from severely open in the stance to a bit closed and his head moves toward the plate as well. And mechanically, when, in my opinion, when you do that, you lock yourself up. You become very vulnerable to, um, to fastballs, especially fastballs in or, or up. I mean, just, you get locked up. You can't clear your hips. Um, And I have noticed recently, just the last few games. Uh, and if you look at, if you watch him tonight to see, to see if he continues this, but it, he is striding a, a, a lot more square, a lot less locked up and his head's not moving toward the plate nearly as much. And I just wonder if someone, you know, if someone made that, if this is just, 
just just lucky he's just doing this all of a sudden. If he thought of it, if someone put it in his head, uh, but it looks so much better. And you know, he's got tremendous, tremendous hand action at the ball. He hits those backspin three irons and just you know, and when he's when he's going well. And I would I I, I starting to hit hit more of those. I think because he's not locking himself up. What happens when you lock yourself up like that? And miss fastball. You can't get to fastballs. Then you start rushing on breaking ball. Get everything. If you're having trouble hitting a fastball, everything else goes to hell. I just tell you that. And no it doubt. just mechanically, it just looks like he's given himself so much better chance. Yes, and he's he's also along with that, he's been able to obviously he's hit the home runs, but he looks like he's also capable now of hitting the ball the other way if he if he wants to or if the if he's a little bit late. Uh, it, it, he just felt like such an all-or-nothing swinger before then. And he's standing in front of Max Kepler. I mean, the dude is put together. And you know he works like crazy. He's in fantastic shape. He's 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 built the way you would want to build a right fielder. There's there's talent in there. And I admit it. I would have gotten rid of him by now. Uh, I, you know, oh, two weeks ago, I was ready to say, okay, Kepler can go anywhere else. Just I don't want to watch him hit anymore. Uh, and you know, I, I guess credit to the Twins for, for being patient here. What do you think, Lavelle? Yeah, um, I wrote a column saying that they should cut ties with him and move on because it's since 2019, it really hasn't been much from him offensively. I mean, he's a very good defensive player, but, you know, we have to have standards here. And, and uh, you know, he was one of the culprits who have slowed down this offense. So I I was thinking that it's time to cut the court with this guy. But for with the last for the last, over the last two weeks, he has shown – um, a little more fire, and he has made an adjustment, and the ball is shooting off his bat again. It's almost like Trevor Bowers back pitching to him, you know. Uh, but uh, it, it this is a good sign for the Twins, and you know, although I still like to see Matt Walner or Trevor Larnick up here uh, contributing, uh, but if Kepler's going to start hitting, you got to ride this wave, man. Um, and like like I said, I just I like the solid contact. Uh, he's got something figured out. And let's see how far he can run with this because uh, this could be a big development for this team uh, in the second half of the season or post All Star break. And it, it also, you mentioned Walter and Larnick. One of the problems with having Buxton as your full time DH is mm-hmm. that there just isn't room for an extra bat. You can't just bring somebody up and say, okay, but DH him two times a week and play him right field once, left field once. You know, if you're going to stick with Kepler and Buxton to be your DH, there's just no room for. For Walner, no matter how well he performs. Yeah, you know, the thing is, too, is that you get it. I mean, you see Buxton run, and he slides into a base. He needs, like, 20 minutes to get up, get up back to his feet, and there's something going on there uh, that he's not 100%. Um, as much as, you know, we've advocated for it, and just to free up the DH spot so they could rotate people through there, uh, it looks like Rocco Baldelli's not thinking about putting Buxton in the outfield anytime soon. So, uh that's you know development none of us saw going into the season. I think we all were led to believe that Buck would maybe the first month or two of the season he would be a DH and then he would be out in the outfield eventually. But apparently there was a little more method to the madness when they signed uh, Michael A. Taylor. We should have known. We should have known something was rotten in Denmark when uh, when that happened. So um, so that locks up the DH spot. Unfortunately, I just wish the man would hit more like Nelson Cruz and not that Nelson Cruz just got designated from for assignment with the Padres. And also, was here, 2019. Cruz. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I got a bunch of emails as soon as he's released. You got to, the Twins have to go sign Nelson Cruz. Well, 
We're not to the H's end. They're not getting 2009. It makes no sense. They're not getting 2019 Nelson Cruz, and they already have a full-time DH. It makes absolutely no sense. We all love Nelson Cruz. I, you know, the convert, I don't know if I have the the best intel on this, but what I've heard is that when they signed Taylor, they were hoping that Buxton could start easing the outfield play midsummer. That's not going to happen. Um, and what I've heard from behind the scenes this year is that Buck, you know. It, the knee is just not there. It's just yeah. not right. And, and it always reminds me of what Torrey Hunter told me about playing center field. He said, the, he said, the hardest thing about playing center field is not running to the walls. The hardest thing about playing center field is you stand still and you stand still and you stand still and your back and your knees start locking up. And then you got to sprint a hundred miles an hour. And then you got to stop on a dime. He said, that's what really messes with you and requires all kinds of maintenance and stretching and buck, you know, on a, unless his knee improves, I just don't think we're seeing him out there. Yeah. And I, I think I think it, it hurts Buck offensively. I it does. I think that if he goes out and plays outfield and makes a couple of great plays or throws somebody out in the base, I think that carry can carry over to his offense. Well, maybe Roy may have a theory about defense leaning the offense because some because the, all people always uh, theorize that struggling at the plate could leak over to defense. But I'm wondering if a good defensive player can get a boost off of that to be more of an offensive player. And I wonder if that's hurting Buck this year. Yeah, I think it. I think it hurts. I, I think he's uh, it, he's too young to be a DH in in, in terms of the, the psychology and the mental aspect of it. Not that he can't. Not that he's not smart enough to do it, or not that he can't be strong enough psychologically to do it. It's not that. It's just that um, by the time you're older and you're a DH, you're just not you're not feeling like you're going to contribute as much. Uh, defensively, and so you you put a lot into uh, getting the mindset of how how you're going to be a DH. Uh, I think there's in the back of Buck's mind it can't be that he's going to spend the next t- ten years being a designated hitter. So I, I think he's a center fielder still that has a has a <clears throat> difficult knee. So if he were healthy, absolutely the, the way he can play defense. And Lavelle, you hit, you said it correctly. A good defensive player. In this case, a great defensive player. Uh, you can feed off your defense. I mean, we talk about how electric Buck is, and you know how electrifying he is, and you know how much energy he brings to the you know club and all that kind of stuff. You bring that to yourself too when you're you know when you're uh, when you're playing great defense, and and I, I think that it's 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 very easy to um, uh, or or it's, or it's typical. That guys that are playing great defense, it it helps them offensively. If for no other reason than you feel like you're contributing. Billy Martin told me when he sent me down my first after my first spring training uh, at the big club, and they uh, sent me to he, he called me and said I'm going to send you to AAA, and um, he said right, go down there and play well and just if you're not. If you're not swinging the bat, do it with your glove. If you're not doing it with the glove as much, you know, do it with the bat. Just figure out a way to contribute. Hmm. And I never, I never forgot that. And I think it's, I think it makes a difference. All right, let's uh, let's thank our sponsors. We're going to talk about pitching and potential Twins trades, since I'm getting asked about that all the time. Uh, once again, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Here's more about 
Aquarius Home Services. Scott here for Aquarius Home Services. Fantastic news. We're having a Kinetico Midsummer Mega Sale. Ready for worry-free water, spotless dishes, and softer clothes? Ready for purified drinking water and removing contaminants like lead and those forever chemicals you hear about on the news? Now through August 12th, Aquarius is taking 25% off Kinetico whole home water treatment systems. And as your independent authorized Kinetico dealer, it all starts with a free water analysis. Schedule today at Kinetico mn.com thanks also to grain belt remember the date july 25th 5 30 to 6 30 the patio at o'donovan's on your way to the twins game or after work drop by say hello great joint uh love the owner i live in the same building as the owner uh which i didn't realize till we did that live show the other day o'donovan's is a cool place uh also let you know all energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project from design to installation and everything in between. More about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach. Um, so I was I played at a charity golf tournament this week, and everybody asked me the same question. What are the Twins going to do this year? Are they going to trade for somebody? And I think and they're all really asking about, don't they need another bat? Here's the problem. I mean, could they use Goldschmidt? Of course. But here's the problem, right? They're going to get Polanco back. Julian's already hitting. They have the DH spot tied up with Buck. They're going to get Royce Lewis back at some point. Uh, Walner's tearing it up at AAA. There's not a spot for him. So to me, this is a situation where would they add a bat? Well, maybe if they can add the perfect bat, they move things around. But it's not going to like be just a, uh, you know, just some guy. I mean, they have enough guys if these guys take a, a good approach. But what, what's your view of that, Lavelle? I think you're right. Where would you put the bat? Well, I mean, if Kepler's going to start hitting, um, you're going to ride that out. And if Kepler goes back in the tank and he gets benched or gets DFA, then I'd want to see Walner or Larnick up here. So I wouldn't necessarily trade for a bat. Um, and you probably would take Walner or Larnick probably would have to be included in the trade for right. someone like Goldschmidt too. Yep. Um, left field. I don't know how you guys feel about Joey Gallo. Um, he, does he deserve to have a spot in this roster? I know he brings value defensively at, uh, in left field and at first, although you got Kirilov to play first and you also have Donovan Solano to play first. Although Solano with a glove frightens me no matter where he's at. Catching throws at first frightens me with Solano, but um, yeah, I I don't say I don't say I don't know where to put the bat because they have an embarrassment of riches. It's just because the way this roster is constructed and where how some guys are pigeonholed into positions, um, it would be hard to find uh, someone unless unless you decide to punt Gallo and put a bat in left field. Um, I think that um, we're more likely to see a new reliever add it to the mix than uh, a hitter. And I'm fine with that because I, even though Jorge Lopez is now back off the injured list while dealing with mental issues, I still think they could use another arm out there uh, to lock up late innings. And the way this pitching staff is going, um, as, you know, Bally Sports North had the stat a few weeks ago, um, I think they've given up the fewest amount of runs like in the sixth or in the eighth inning, but they've given up the most runs of baseball in the seventh for a stretch there. And that's that first handoff to the bullpen. On most nights, and you know that's an that's the situation that the the Fal, Falvey and Levine need to focus on before the deadline. Yeah, the thing that's interesting to think through all that is uh, I don't know what they'd have to give up for Goldschmidt, but 
I don't think that they're going to be bargain basement uh, guy for the kind of reliever that you're talking about either. I mean, so um, I, it would be interesting to see what what other teams would ask uh, in either case. Um, and when I think about where would you put a bat, I, I, you start thinking about where are you going to put Polanco? I mean, is there room on uh, you know, in, on the major league club for Julian and Polanco um, and Royce Lewis? Um, you know, I, I mean, Royce Lewis is going to play when he's, when he's healthy. I would assume Polanco is going to play when when he's when he's healthy so what do you do with i think julian is less of an issue um it's the outfield and the predominant predominant left-handers you know kepler larnick walner gallo uh is a, a bit of a problem and and so i kind of like the goldschmidt deal just put him at first base and then you have then you have a uh, you, you have kirilov for a swing guy as well. And, and so that's interesting to me, but probably messing up the club to get either one of those. I mean, I, I think Lavelle's probably right there. They're probably more interested in getting a reliever just because of the, just because of the uh, roster logjam they have between AAA and the big club. And ultimately, you know, I think Gallo's a bit of a problem. You know, I, I, I love him defensively. I like him as a guy. Uh, I like him as a teammate. Um, but, I mean, they're not scoring runs. And you got you have to look at, you know, how are we going to score runs the, the rest of the way? If they don't get anybody, then I think it's got to be Royce Lewis, Polanco, Buck, and, um, and Correa that just get all four of them just get hot and, and carry the club. So I, I don't know. It's a... It, I think it's a real. I think it's a real dilemma because I think they could really use a, a, a big bat right in the middle of a Goldsmith type of guy, and they haven't had that. They've got some nice hitters that, if you have enough of them swinging the bat well, they're going to score a lot of runs, as we've seen recently. You just you just wonder about the sustainability of it. And Goldschmidt, really, and, and here's you know, I'll mention it. If you traded for Goldschmidt, you're probably trading away one of your two young hitters that you right now yes. you know, are kind of stuck in this logjam, uh, along with I'm sure a couple of prospects as well. And he would solve a lot of problems, uh, and he might calm them down just the way Shannon Stewart did in 2003. He might be the right kind of veteran to come in. He's got a great reputation, uh, great hitting approach. He might be the guy who basically becomes their de facto hitting coach by setting the right example the way the way Stewart did. Um, that That's really intriguing to me because, yeah, they, I, I agree. They could certainly use another bullpen arm. But if they start, if they start scoring five runs a game, they're going to start winning 70% of their games. No doubt, no doubt. And the thing here, too, is just doing a quick scan, um, one of the other, right, uh, other needy teams for a bat, it looks like the Dodgers would be in the market for a right-handed uh, bat for their for their lineup. So I don't know how many competitors the Twins would have on the market if they wanted to deal for someone like Goldschmidt. And I don't know if Goldschmidt's, Goldschmidt's available. I think we were all expecting him to because of the Cardinal situation in the right in, in the NL Central. Uh, but if there's just like a couple teams the Twins have to compete against, and you know I like their chances of maybe they can get out of this, giving up maybe one solid prospect and maybe you have one solid lower level prospect maybe because we're they'd have to take on about 20 
I don't have it 26. in front of me. 26 million. Yeah. I think. Um, and Goldsmith's uh, salary and for the through next of, year and next year. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, that's the biggest problem with, you know, with any of this stuff is that it's not just who you give up. It's how much you have to pay and what does it do to payroll? I think the Goldsmith salary is unlikely. I, I mean, I just think, it, I just don't think it fits. Uh, I'd love to see him at first base every day and hitting fourth <laughs> or third. I would just love it. Um, but I don't know that that's, that that's doable. And so, um, I think the twins have got it. I mean, you said it, Jim, and that, you know, they, they have to score four and a half runs a game. And, and, uh, if they're not going to score four and a half runs a game, then they got to, they have to get another reliever and, and, and lock down seven, eight, and nine. I mean, to have it just as automatic as I thought it was going to be when we started the season, which it, it hasn't been quite as much. So that looks like, that looks like the way, but, then you have who you're going to give up for it and how much you're going to pay the new guy. So it's, it's, it's not easy to make a trade. It really is not. No. The other interesting thing here, we're talking about Gallo. Uh, you know, the batting average is terrible. The strikeouts are terrible. He went through a terrible slump. And yet he still has one of the higher OPSs on the team. I mean, he, he I know. It's, it's all or nothing, but the all does come into play sometimes. Yeah. Well, he can draw. I mean, this is what, you know, I, I remember saying this at the beginning of the season that, you know, Gallo's going to hit 200 and strike out 200 plus times and hit 30 home runs. So yep. you just have to be prepared. I mean, every, every 10 at bats, every 12 at bats, every 15 at bats, he's going to hit a home run. In the meantime, he's going to walk a couple of times, maybe score some runs, but you just have to be prepared for, you know, for what it, what it's going to be. And it's hard when you're not scoring runs, it's hard to look at you know, all those strikeouts and oftentimes in, in, in situations where they could really use, you know, some kind of, some kind of contact. Um, but that's, you know, I, I think we had to, we had to know that, you know, that's what was, what was going to happen. And the, the plus side was home runs and walks. And that's pretty much what we're, what we're seeing. That's where the OPS comes from, obviously yep. is uh, he draws a fair amount of walks for how much he strikes out and he hits the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah, no doubt. All right. We spend a lot of time trying to solve the twins problems for them and you're welcome twins. Uh, but sometimes we actually have to point out that something is really going well. And the pitching staff leads the major leagues in ERA. Uh, it's the lowest twins. pitch. If, if they finished with the, this ERA, it would be their lowest team ERA since 1972. Uh, Pete Mackey's in his first year as twins pitching coach. They're having tremendous success. Uh, the rotation continues to pitch more and more innings. Uh, which has allowed them to survive the you know the bullpen problems and injuries they've had, and I, I got to do a fun column with uh, Mackie that appeared in the Friday Star Tribune. A uh, big music guy carries his Martin acoustic with him everywhere, plays piano, and is really a, an interesting dude. Uh, does see analogies between music and baseball? Uh, you know, seems to be personable. Uh, what, what's your experience talking to, to Pete Mackie, and what, what's your impression of him so far, Lavelle? Uh, solid guy. We have a couple of mutual friends. So, um, we've had reasons to have conversations. Um, you know, he got thrown into the fire last year when Wes Johnson left in the middle of the season, he had to kind of walk in and, and do some things on the fly. But, uh, it seems like he's a great communicator. It seems like his pitches are prepared. Uh, it seems like they have a good rapport with the catchers. The catchers, uh, seem to formulate battle plans with the pitchers. Well, it's all working right now. It also helps when, you're working with pitchers with track record, like a Pablo Lopez and a Sonny Gray, you know. Um, 
But, you know, it's also it's a good reflection when the younger guys like Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan are or even Louis Varlin when he was up here seemed to you know thrive from what they were hearing uh, from Pete. So um, he's a you know, he's a he's a he's a thinker and he's a good communicator. And I think it's rubbing off on the staff. I think a lot of credit. I mean, we've talked before about hitting coaches and whether they should get the praise or the uh, denigration that uh, that they do. Same with pitching coaches. I, I, I just don't th- see there's any other way than to say Pete Mackey's done a phenomenal job. I mean, how can you, how can yeah. you not uh, say that, even if it's not uh, mechanics, which in some cases I, I think it is. Uh, but even if it's not that, I mean, even if it, all he's doing is, is sitting in up with the catchers and the pitchers, say, okay, how are you going to pitch these guys? And, you know, and oh, let, let me remind you of your strength and let me remind you uh, what we're seeing here about how this pitch follows that pitch or this location follows that location against this kind of guy. I mean, it, it could be, it could, it could be just that. And he would be worth his weight in gold because that's what it, to your point, um, Lavelle, that's what it looks like to me. It looks like that the pitcher and the catcher go out there, uh, with a, a really good game plan for who that pitcher is and who he's facing that day. Like, I got a big kick out of, I, I've gotten a big kick out of watching uh, guys finish up, uh, whether it's after the sixth or after the seventh, or in the case of Pablo Lopez the other, the other night, Ryan Jeffers coming out to the mound. And, and I mean, all, all smiles, you know, grinning from ear to ear, putting his arm around Lopez. And it, you could almost, you could almost sense that it was a man. Did we did we come up with a plan? And did you ever execute it? That was, you know, I mean, it's that kind of thing. And I think the catcher doing it. I think I actually think that um, uh, that both catchers have participated, contributed to how to get hitters out, how to get opposing hitters out in in the meetings. And I think I think if Mackey did no, nothing else but to keep people's psyche involved keep them um keep them remembering what their strengths are um holding good pitcher catcher meetings even if it's the catcher and pitcher doing most of the, most of the talking i mean what whatever it is you got to say he's doing an, an, an incredible job one more segment uh sad one mike radcliffe uh passed away in february the twins honored him not coincidentally uh with the royals in town he's a Kansas city guy and with uh the all the twin scouts in town for the major league baseball draft. I uh, thought the twins did a, a nice ceremony before the game the other on Monday night. And uh, you know, Roy, I don't even know how much you knew Mike Radcliffe. Lavelle and I dealt with him, you know, all the time over the years. And just you know, he's just you know, I wrote a piece about him the other day, and he just he was the rare person who climbs the ladder. In a, in a large competitive organization while making zero enemies. Uh, everybody loved Mike. That's all I can really say about him. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't just have to say, okay, I'm included in the everybody. Yeah. Because he's, I, I didn't have an awful lot of baseball interaction with him. Just, just friendly interaction. But you can just tell, you can tell about people. You can tell them you look in their face, you look in their eyes, you look at their demeanor, you look how they, how they talk to you and others. And you pretty much know what kind of guy he is. Well, I, I just, I was just amazed at 
the recall that Mike had when it came to talking about players from the past. He could talk, probably recite the first 10 picks of like the 2006 draft if you asked him for it. Uh, and just little details. I remember we were talking about Torrey Hunter and Mike launches into the story about we, we went to go see Torrey Hunter. We wasn't we weren't going to see we only saw Torrey Hunter because we were trying to uh, scout his teammate, Bazil Shabazz, the greatest athlete in the history of Arkansas high school sports. You know, he's telling this story about going to Arkansas to see Bazil Shabazz. And then there's this other kid in the outfield. Hey, this Torrey Hunter kid's not bad either. You know, and that's and the, and the twins end up drafting him. But stories like that and just the recall, this encyclopedic memory when it came to uh, prospects and players and drafts. It was just just incredible. You know, and I mean, you called Mike, uh, Jim, and I would call him and answer the phone. Mike, how's it going? I'm just living the dream. You know, <laughs> and, and, and that was Radcliffe. You know, he's just a down to earth, folksy guy who was just very sharp and and didn't miss a beat on the, on his job. So just uh, he was a treasure. And he'll be missed. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for that. Thanks to Roy. Thanks to Brent. And thanks to everyone who listens. We do appreciate it. It's going to be an interesting summer. Stick with us here at Chin Music and TalkNorth.com.